Right now, Argentinians are making $200 a month, right? So how can they, I, I, I believe that they are like the new Venezuelan people, mm -hmm. right? They, it reaches a point where you cannot save anything. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have money to pay for an air ticket, you're trapped inside of the country, wow. right? Hey everybody, welcome to the What Is Money Show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. Now, if this is your first time listening to the What Is Money Show, I strongly recommend that you go back to episodes one through nine first, which lays a lot of the groundwork for many of the concepts that we explore on the show. These first nine episodes are my series with Michael Saylor and thousands of people have told me that this is the best podcast series they've ever heard hands down, and that it was instrumental to their understanding of money and Bitcoin. So if you're looking to start a deep dive into the nature of money, I don't think there's any place better that you can start other than episode one of this show. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. The What Is Money show is 100% sponsor-based, so all of our revenues are derived from direct sponsorships. And I strive to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically only using sponsors that I use personally, and also choosing sponsors that have values which are well aligned to the values expressed on this show, such as freedom, education, self-sovereignty, etc. So what I'm going to do now is a few ad reads right at the top of the show, and then I'll do a few more ad reads in the middle. And I hope you'll take the time to listen to them, as again, these are hand-selected sponsors, and I think you'll like what they have to offer. Today's podcast is brought to you by N. Wolf's Clothing. Wolf is the first startup accelerator dedicated exclusively to the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Four times per year, Wolf brings teams from around the world to New York City to work with like-minded entrepreneurs, pushing the boundaries of what's possible with Bitcoin and Lightning. The program is designed to help early-stage companies achieve product market fit, develop their brand, secure early-stage funding, and grow businesses that help fuel the global adoption of Bitcoin. So go to wolfnyc.com to learn more about the program or apply. Again, that's WolfNYC, W-O-L-F-N-Y-C.com. Ariel Aguilar, welcome to the What Is Money Show. Thank you, Robert. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you. Um, by way of quick introduction, you are the founder of European Bitcoinetta. That's right. Which is a Bitcoin education project. We'll talk a bit about what that is towards the end here. Um, but today we're going to be talking about the nature of money in Argentina, kind of the nature and history of money in Argentina and how it's influenced the political sphere uh, over the past several decades. Yeah. Um, but I think it's most appropriate that we start talking about the current candidate, Javier Millet, yeah. as the elections are tomorrow, exactly. right? Exactly. One day away from the elections, and we're going to find out the results on Monday at 3 a.m. So I, won't, I, will, I will be up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we're recording this on October 21st, 2023. The elections are to be held tomorrow, October 22nd, 2023. And results will be issued on Monday. Um, so this guy <laughs> got a lot of people's attention, especially, especially in Bitcoin circles. I personally saw a video clip of him 
uh, he was on a, a mainstream media interview and someone was asking him, you know, what, what's it, what is the platform he's running on? <laughs> and one of the first things he said was central banking is a scam. I think he may have called it a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. In fact, he did. and that was shocking, you know, to hear someone who's leading in the polls, um, for the highest political position in Argentina talking in such a libertarian way, a very frank libertarian way. And, you know, just reflecting on my own time at Bitcoin back in 2016, 2017, Bitcoin was considered to be a joke. Mm -hmm. And now we have major political candidates like we have RFK in the US talking about the benefits of Bitcoin. How the biggest hedge funds now? Biggest hedge funds in the world. Um, in just a short time, right? the span of five, six, seven years, it's gone from a complete joke that most people wrote off to now being a major topic of discussion. And even the primary point of this guy's political platform is to abolish the central bank, I believe. So w let's just talk about Javier. Like, What, what are his views? It sounds like he's a, a, an actual libertarian in the, in the classical sense. What are his views on Argentina, its economic policy, its central bank, and what does he intend to do about it? Sure. Well, we, we really need to appreciate Javier Millet's proof of work because mm. he became a libertarian around 2014, 2013. Mm. Be before that, he was a um, like monetarist economist mm. who worked for a large corporation in Argentina. And... Ever since he's been little by little going to TV shows, mm -hmm. at first they were small TV shows, cable TV shows, and talking about the libertarian ideas, he presented mm -hmm. himself as a anarcho-capitalist, mm -hmm. right? And libertarian or liberal ideas back then in Argentina, like in 20, 2009, they were an insult. Like mm -hmm. if somebody said you're a liberal, classical mm -hmm. liberal, they, they were like trying to disrespect you or mm -hmm. insult you, right? Uh, so I, I was involved in a political party. We were trying to do a libertarian party. Partido Liberal Libertario, it was called. Javier Milei saw us, right? And he's been going to TV, doing this proof of work. But if you see any video of him, you will see that he's an atypical guy. Mm. The reason I believe he got to where he is now is because he shows his passion. Mm. I mean, uh, you could watch a, a, a debate of Javier with a socialist or mm -hmm. with a communist, you can put it on mute. You, you're not hearing what they're saying, mm -hmm. but you will say, this guy's winning the, the mm -hmm. argument, right? Mm -hmm. Because he really believes what he's saying. Mm. All the other classical liberals in Argentina are, are like suit up and mm. they are afraid to confront the, the others, right? The socialists. But Millet believes they are thieves. Mm. So if you really believe that the other person is a thief, mm -hmm. Why don't you like say to his face, right? You're mm -hmm. stealing from me. You're, mm -hmm. you're a criminal, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the other liberals are no uh, like, mm. please don't steal from me, right? Mm. So, so he's been doing this on TV. The ratings go up like crazy. Mm -hmm. So all the TV channels want to have him. And even to this day, even though the mainstream hates him, they cannot stop talking about him. Mm. They, all the candidates talk about Millet. All the media talk about Millet, mm. right? Mm. So they give, they are giving him free press, free publicity. Mm. Mm. Millet has made the cheapest political campaign in history. He's not spending any money on ads or anything like that. 
So, so okay. and we're one day away, and most likely he will win. Mm. We'll see. I, I, I assign like a 60% chance of him winning. Mm -hmm. uh, Argentina has some rules that if he doesn't get 45%, uh, let's say he gets 42%, uh, and the second place is more than 10 points away, well, he wins. But if the second place is less than 10 points away, there's a rerun of the elections in November. Mm. And then we have to see which is the second candidate. If the second candidate is from this current government, well, I, I believe Millet has also a good chance of winning. Mm -hmm. If the second candidate is from the opposition party, uh, that gets more complicated. We'll see. Mm. We have to see that. Now, the risk, I guess, it sounds like Malay is very popular. He's leading in the polls by 10 points, as I think you said. But there is some risk. Um, and you mentioned this election engineering that's taking place inside of Argentina. They're desperate. The distribution of fake ballots. Mm -hmm. For example, in the last week, uh, the Argentine government has proposed to people because Argentina has a lot of subsidies for energy, for oil, even in the city, in the main city, Buenos Aires, you are paying six cents or seven cents of a dollar to travel around in a bus mm -hmm. or in a subway when the real price should be 70 or one dollar, right? Mm -hmm. So in the last week, they proposed people, if they want to voluntarily take off that subsidy and pay mm -hmm. the real price, because the argument is, oh, if you're voting for Millet, mm -hmm. who will take out the subsidy, why don't you voluntarily give up that right now, mm -hmm. right? And in the t they have TVs on the train stations, and now they put three prices. The current government presidential candidate price, 56 pesos. Uh, Millet price, 1,100. Uh, the opposition party price, 1,100, right? Wow. And tell you... Think clearly when you vote, right? Uh, but all, all that is paid, uh, people pay in taxes and inflation. Right. Of so, it's so it's, they're preying on ignorance, obviously. Yeah. But um, it's interesting that they choose the price because the price does seem to be like one of the primary things that commands attention in the world. So they're, they're now using bus and train ticket pricing to try and paste this guy or, or paint yeah. this guy as a as a bad candidate effectively yeah. and so this is this is propaganda this is a psyop Even taking the place media, to money the, the media are trying to like uh, forecast what exchange rates are going to be in the future mm -hmm. right i'm going to give you a photo later for you to overimpose mm -hmm. and they say well with current massa is the current uh, government candidate it's going to be let's say 1000 the price mm -hmm. When they when they choose Millet, as high as possible mm. is one of the metrics, or to the infinite, right? Mm. Uh, so they're trying. Even the newspapers are, I know, paid by by the government. They they get a lot of uh, ads from the government. Hmm. So so yeah. So when you say they're desperate, you're talking about current central I would say government the insiders. establishment. Yeah, yeah, the current establishment. Okay. It's uh, about. The government, the media, the academia, mm -hmm. right? Because in Argentina, we have a lot of uh, publicly funded colleges mm -hmm. and schools. And, and yeah, some of the corporate corporativism that is uh, tied up with the government. Mm. Which is basically fascism, right? State power and corporate power combined. Yeah. We will talk about that. You know, okay. Yeah. 
So, I mean, this is another one of those cases where broken money, like when the money is a lie, you start to get the propagation of lies in media and in election campaigns in this case. Um, One more detail. Yes. There even in Argentina, we have a black market price of the dollar. Uh, we always have no problem like telling that price. But in the last day, Friday, yesterday, they managed to uh, control the media to lie about the black market rate, mm. which we call the blue dollar. Mm-hmm. And so some people had to come up with the deep blue dollar, which is like the the black black market rate, the, the real, real, real rate, <laughs> right? Because they are underreporting. They don't want people to go to elections uh, thinking that the dollar has gone up to 1,100 or 1,200. Mm. So they say 900. Mm. But you cannot get that price anywhere, right? Mm. Uh, so, so yeah, even with the black market, they're lying. And so that's like, they're trying to manage it below 1,000 pesos per dollar because that's some type of yeah. like psychological yeah. threshold for people. It's uh, up until a few months ago, like two months ago, it was the highest denomination bill in Argentina. It's 1,000 pesos. Uh. So the highest is one dollar. Uh, a few months ago, they introduced the two thousand peso mm-hmm. note, which is two dollars, mm-hmm. but it's still not widely distributed mm. amongst the country. Wow. And w- w- what do you? Th- I mean, do you personally believe Javier what he says? Like, do you think he's going to? You said he's he's pushing for dollarization. I think initially, um, but. There's there are not adequate dollars in the central bank, right. so he'll, he'll be banking on a grant or a loan from the IMF right. to do this. Millet has a like a two two side strategy because on the one hand he says he wants to dollarize the economy, mm-hmm. but also at the same time he says he's pro monetary freedom. Mm. So he has, like, for example, done uh, speeches to businessmen. And he tells them, if you want to do contracts in soybean, you can do contracts in soybean. Do you want to do in barrels of oil mm. or in BTUs of energy? Do that, right? Mm-hmm. So he's granting people total freedom. Mm. And I believe Bitcoin will fall into that, uh. right? But at the same time, he wants to dollarize the economy. Mm-hmm. In a certain way, Argentina's economy is already dollarized mm-hmm. because people, all, all sane people do not save in dollars they have to save in dollars. Sorry, no, they don't save in pesos, they save in dollars. Mm-hmm. And they have to do it going through the black market. Mm. You cannot do it through a official means. Mm-hmm. They only let you buy $200 per month legally. Wow. So imagine how many months do you have to save in order to buy a house? Wow. That is $100,000. Wow. You run out of, out of life, right? Yes. Uh. So, so people have to go to the black market to get their dollars. And there are some calculations that say that Argentines hold like out of ten dollars that are out outside of the United States in cash, mm-hmm. two of the ten are in Argentina. Mm. Uh, it's, I know, I know, if it was like two hundred or three hundred billion dollars mm-hmm. in cash under the matrices we call it. Wow! In Argentina, yeah. wow. I want to read this tweet that Jimmy Song put out. Um, because I, I think it's just telling of the entire situation and, and perhaps pointing to the desperation that the establishment has against uh, the possible election of, of Javier. Jimmy wrote, 
on October 15th that, so Argentina has abolished the income tax ahead of its presidential election in a last ditch attempt to defeat the libertarian candidate who's leading in the polls. This proves one, they're printing money. They really don't need to tax you explicitly. And two, that inflation itself is a stealth tax that can be imposed without any legislation or transparency. The mechanics of money are going to become way more obvious to people going forward. Is What did they do to the income tax in Argentina, and do you agree with Jimmy on this? I mean, it's a last attempt to also gather some votes. Mm -hmm. Argentina charges like 33% of social security taxes plus up to 35% of mm -hmm. income tax if you're a higher earner. Mm -hmm. And this income tax for employees was set in the year 99, mm -hmm. before we didn't have income tax for employees, which, because now it's a lot, right? 33 plus 35, it's, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. And they put this like saying, okay, like 90% of all employees won't pay income tax anymore. Mm -hmm. And some media uh, report, oh yeah, anyone earning like over $2,500 won't, won't pay. Mm -hmm. But you have to look at the real rate, which is the black market rate. Mm -hmm. So it's like a thousand dollars, right? We have to check these numbers, of course. Mm -hmm. But I mean, any Argentine that is making over a thousand dollars will pay income tax. Mm -hmm. And right now, the average salary, sadly, of an Argentine is like two hundred dollars a month. Mm -hmm. They are making like six dollars every day because the currency has been depreciated, depreciating a lot. Mm -hmm. In 2017, an average salary was 1,000. So we have gone downhill. Then we will have to see what happens after this election because this ticking bomb is going to explode mm -hmm. to any of the three candidates, right? If Millet does a dollarization, the central bank is uh, bankrupt. Mm. It has it has net negative. I mean, it owes much more than what it has, mm -hmm. right? So it cannot cover uh, to give people dollars for their pesos, mm. right? So Millet is counting on the IMF or whatever mm. institution to give him a grant, I say, mm. free money, because Argentina, I don't think, is gonna pay that back, right? In order to do this dollarization at a certain price. Otherwise, uh, it's going to go to thousands. I mean, the right. exchange rate can go to 5,000, 10,000. It's happened before. We're gonna review the history of Argentina. Right. It's happened many times before. And the first person to, to exchange wins. Mm. It's a race, mm -hmm. right? Uh, a race for the exit. So so the peso will, will die in that case. And most likely during that uh, boom, <laughs> let's say, uh, perhaps salaries go to 100 or, or $50 a month. Mm -hmm. But even though it's quite painful, it's the only way for Argentina to stop what it's doing, mm. to bounce back. And I say, I believe it's the uphill from here, from there, right? Yeah, the, there has to be a reckoning back to economic reality at some point. But if he doesn't, if the IMF does not come through on that, which seems like maybe they would not want to in the case of him abolishing the central bank or at least um, hurting the central bank through dollarization, what would happen in that case? He does not know what the IMF will do. Yeah. Uh, perhaps... They are interested in Argentina using the dollar. I'm not, mm. I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah. So perhaps, I mean, the IMF's been, I, I say it's a grant, it's a gift. Mm -hmm. 
because uh, they've been giving Argentina money through the last years, mm. even though it's a populist, uh, socialist mm -hmm. country, right? Argentina has a track record of not paying back its debts. And so for me, uh, yeah, they are aligned. They're, they must have some kind, kind of interests mm. or requests in exchange for that. Um, and if the IMF doesn't do the grant, uh, then it's going to be much worse. Very tough situation. So let's talk about the history of Argentina and how we got to this point. Um, and I think a good place to start, as you mentioned offline, is where the name Argentina actually comes from. Sure. Argentina means actually the land of silver mm. because it comes from Argentum, that is the silver element. Mm. And the, the stories tell that the conquistadores, the, the Spanish that were coming to America, mm. they heard tales about uh, a land of silver in the south, mm -hmm. right? And they were trying to find this place, mm -hmm. just like they were trying to find El Dorado in North America. And mm -hmm. So the river where Buenos Aires is uh, located is called the, the River of Bro. Silver, Rio de la Plata, mm. Plata y Silver. And actually, Buenos Aires and, and that area didn't have any silver. Mm. The silver was in Potosí, Bolivia, much further up. Mm. But the name stuck, right? Uh, it was the land of silver. So it became Argent Argentina and Rio de la Plata. Uh, so I, I like to say jokingly that even from day one, we were sort of like shit coiners <laughs> because we were choosing <laughs> money <Sore>. number two, <laughs> right? <laughs> Not the best money. Uh, but uh, back then, Argentina was like a, well, anarchy land, savage land. Uh, some Argentines intellectuals uh, like to call it barbarians, mm -hmm. barbarian lands. Uh, we were sieged by the Indians attacking, right? Uh, and we were controlled by the Spanish. By 1810, we started to become independent. 1816, the official independence. But then we started fighting each other, mm. just like you did in the United States, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. over that you had federalists and Unitarians. Or that's what we were called, right? Yeah. Uh, so we were fighting about how decentralized Argentina had to be. Mm. And uh, in the end, after decades, the federalists won. And we had the first constitution in 1853, which was quite classical liberal or quite libertarian. Mm. It was the first constitution to recognize private property as a right. Mm. And it also said that foreigners that went to Argentina had the same rights as citizens. Mm. So this was like the golden ticket for the people of Europe, mm. right? So it was like the American dream. Come mm. to Argentina, make all your money. We're going to tax you a little, mm -hmm. right? And you got to keep all you make. So from that moment on, around 1860 onwards, we started attracting millions of people, mm -hmm. a lot of capital from England. The British invested heavily in building railroads, meat packers. Mm. Uh, before all of, all of this, like I said, it was anarchy. The, the cows had started to reproduce freely mm. all throughout the country. There were millions of cows roaming freely. And the cowboys in Argentina called gauchos uh, 
Like if they wanted to eat, they just would kill a cow mm. and you know, take the tongue out, mm. cook it, <laughs> leave the cow there, right? Because abundance. Uh, but while this country started to grow rich and rich and rich, we were growing at super fast rates. And by what they say is that by 1910, 1907, we were in the top seven uh, GDP per capita economies of the world. Wow. Like Australia, United States, Canada, Great Britain, mm -hmm. Argentina. And when I, I did the tour with the Biconetta through U UK, an old man said, oh yeah, I remember like hearing when I was young, the phrase, as rich as an Argentine. Mm -hmm. It was an expression mm -hmm. they had in England, right? Mm -hmm. uh, an idiom. Uh, because yeah, Argentines, and it's also, I, keep, I believe, the reason why Ayn Rand chose Francisco Lanconia, mm, right. the, the money speech, yes, as course. an Argentine, yeah, okay. right? An aristocrat. Yeah. But sadly, the millions of people that were coming in immigration brought the, 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 the common ideas of that time, the popular ideas of that time, socialist ideas, mm. anarcho-communist ideas. And Argentina introduced, well, popular votation, like anybody could vote, mm -hmm. I think it was 1907, uh, and they also, Argentina established public education, free public education. Even to this day, you can go to study to Argentina for free. Mm. You can study to be a doctor mm. and you won't pay anything, mm. zero, even if you're a foreigner. Mm. So many people from Colombia, anywhere, mm -hmm. Brazil, they go to study to Argentina. But the trade-off is that they indoctrinate you in the socialist ideas mm. from being a little kid all through college, right? Mm. They even have a, a one-year introductory course where all you see is philosophy of state, mm. right? And uh, Keynesianism, mm. all of that. You need to think like that in order to enter college. Wow. If you are a business owner or manager, you should know these three numbers. 36,000, 25, and 1. 36,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, which allows you to streamline accounting, financial management, human resources, and more. NetSuite turns 25 years old this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days rather than weeks, and to drive down cost. And finally, 1, because your business is one of a kind. So with NetSuite, you get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. NetSuite is everything you need all in one place. Right now, you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash whatismoney. That's netsuite.com slash whatismoney to get your free KPI checklist. Again, netsuite.com slash what is money. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, iCoin Technology. iCoin has just released a sleek new hardware wallet. Looks like a mini iPhone, a little touchscreen and camera on it. Uh, the device has no Wi-Fi, no cellular connection, no GPS. It's a strictly physically cold hardware wallet. Uh, like I said, it's got a high-res 3-inch touchscreen. It's got a camera for air-gapping the wallet. Uh, it's got optional Bluetooth compatibility, 
And it's a really a, a brand new UI UX experience for a hardware wallet, making it very accessible, easy to use, not intimidating. And as we always talk about on this show, the only way you can truly own your Bitcoin is by having it in self-custody. So you need a device like iCoin Wallet to truly own your Bitcoin. Go to iCoinTechnology.com today and use promo code Bitcoin23 for 30% off of this new sleek hardware wallet. And so founded as a constitutional republic like the United States, but perhaps but had even stronger respect for private property, it sounds mm-hmm. like, and, and that foreigners had the same rights as citizens. Yeah, you don't have that private, private property clause in your No, we're, we're life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, which I often think we really screwed up because mm-hmm. we inherited a lot of that from the Magna Carta. The Magna Carta was life, liberty, inviolable property. Mm-hmm. But Magna Carta wasn't a constitutional document necessarily, so I think, I think we messed that up. Because pursuit of happiness, what does that mean? Yeah. Property is very specific. Um, and so that led from Argentina yeah. from becoming this land of barbarity, as you're saying, to one of the richest countries in the world because they installed this classical liberal ideology and enshrined it in a constitution. I think, too, that um, I've heard... Is it Buenos Aires? They called the Paris of South America. Is that sure. Right? Yeah. Sure, sure. When you look at the images back then, uh, they were building building palaces. They're mm-hmm. still there, of course. And in the inside of the country, great states called estancias. So sometimes you have a like a mansion in the middle of uh, the farms. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they became uh, like great landlords. And so, yeah, it's interesting because then that draws in a lot of immigration, but the immigration brought in the mind virus of socialism, and that seemed to stick in uh, right. academia. The, the, the left only sees that the immigrants were poor at mm-hmm. first, right? But actually, the the sons of the immigrants were super rich. There was an expression called uh, "my son the doctor," mm. uh, but like misspelled because the parent was super brute, mm-hmm. right? And the founding fathers of Argentina actually were uh, sad that they, most of the immigration we got was from Spain and Italy, mm-hmm. and they wanted Swedish, mm-hmm. Germans. <laughs> mm-hmm. They wanted from the north, and they mm-hmm. got from the south. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but well, so they brought these ideas, and well, Argentina was a heavy exporter of foods, um, he got hit by the First World War, even though we did not participate in the war. Also by the Great Depression of the United States. Mm. And so that crisis led to the first military coup. Mm. So by 1930, we had the first military coup, mm-hmm. military government. And after that, it's a succession of different coups where the military fight each other and mm-hmm. take the, the government until the most uh, famous figure of Argentinian politics came into power, which is called Juan Domingo Perón. Mm. Perón studied uh, to be a military in Europe, and he saw the ascent of Mussolini and Hitler, Mm. and he was fascinated, right? Mm. I want to be like them. Mm. And Perón had also been a minister of, um, let's say, the workers, right? Mm. Uh, The work. And so he realized, oh, it's good to be on the side of the unions and have the workers on your side. Mm -hmm. So he became like a workers' party leader, right? 
he came into power through a military coup. A few months later, other military took him out and put him in prison. And he became, uh, his wife became famous, Evita Perón. Mm. You can see the musical on Broadway, right? That was made a movie with Madonna. That tells the story of a poor little girl from the countryside that goes to Buenos Aires, starts climbing the ladder of men mm -hmm. until she reaches the, the highest position, Perón. And she convinces him not to retire. Perón actually wanted to retire to Paraguay mm -hmm. and demand elections and run for presidency. So they did that and he won as president. But that's the real start of the decline mm. of Argentina. When you see all the metrics, mm -hmm. metrics, it's like watching the 1971, mm. what the fuck happened there. Yeah. Uh, so it's the same with Argentina. For example, they have some expressions or, or, or tellings that you could not walk through the aisles of the central bank of all because of all the gold mm. that was there. <laughs> and by the end of Peronism, the central bank was empty, oh. right? Oh, wow. Uh, he started with inflation, with nationalization of the railroads, the energy production, mm. uh, oil fields. Uh, for example, my father was an old boy, six years old, and he would have to sing the Peronist anthem every morning mm. in school. They had the, the photo of Peron and Evita. Mm. Everyone had to have in their homes the photo of Peron and Evita, wow. just like Kim Jong-un today, yes. right? Yeah. And they would choose a woman in each block to be a manzanera, which was like a spy on the neighbors wow. to see who was Peronist and who wasn't, right? Wow. And, uh, well, that lasted until uh, there was another military coup, mm -hmm. right, 1955. So Argentina's history has been a disaster. Uh, I'm going to show you also some bills I, I brought from the history of Argentina. Mm. So the first bill actually lasted quite long, from 1881 till 1970, mm -hmm. right? It was called Peso Moneda Nacional. I don't have it here. That bill, for a few periods, had gold backing. Mm. Whenever there was a crisis, they took out the gold backing until the first central bank, which was 1935, also the year where income tax was established. Mm. So it's quite similar to Art's similar U.S. Yeah. history, yeah. right? Uh, so that one w died in 1970. A hundred pesos of that one became one peso lei, one of these, mm -hmm. right? 1970. This one lasted until the Falklands War, 83. Mm -hmm. And the peso got to one million peso notes. So people were paying with one million peso notes. Mm. From these, they took out four zeros. So 10,000 of these became one peso argentino. Now it was mm. an Argentine peso. It was mm. more patriotic, right? Mm -hmm. From 83. Here we return to democracy, right? But this president was a disaster in economics, initial, and he destroyed this one in two years this currency died from 83 to 85. Wow. They took out three zeros. A thousand of these became an Austral, the Austral plan. 
when this was launched in 85, this was worth more than $1. Mm. 83 cents of an Austral bought you $1. Mm. By 89, we had hyperinflation. And that president called elections in advance in order to leave office in advance. Mm -hmm. And a Peronist won, mm. right? And some people were kind of worried, oh, this Peronist is like a, I know, weird man with uh, sideburns. Uh, he looked funny. He had inflation at first, but eventually he got an economist from Chicago School, monetarist, mm -hmm. right? And they introduced a law, which was called convertibility law, that proposed to do a sort of tether, where one peso was backed by one dollar at the central bank. Mm. And the law said that whenever the exchange rate got to 10,000 Australs for one dollar, mm -hmm. the new currency would kick in. Mm. And it did. It became one peso convertible, convertible peso. This one is actually quite rare because it's 58,000 from the A series. Mm. So they had only printed $58,000 up to this point wow. from the one peso. Yeah. And this one, in, I mean, to, in order to have this, to print this, they need to have $1 saved at the center line. Mm -hmm. This scheme lasted 10 years. Now we're going to talk about how it spectacularly failed later. But it gave Argentinians the first moment of stability for 10 years. Mm. That's what it was I pegged to the dollar. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I lived as a kid, mm. right? I mean, I don't remember much from the Austral, yeah. but I do remember this. And Argentina was growing. Uh, Argentina was opening up the economy. When I remember telling this story to Germans and I realized, oh my God, I'm, I'm telling the story of like a Soviet Union country because, mm -hmm. for example, cars. The same cars were being built since the, since the 60s. Argentina, close importation of cars, all, all like seven models, different models you could choose from. Mm -hmm. if, you want to, if you wanted to get a phone line, you had to ask permission to the government it would take between 10 and 20 years to get a phone line. Wow. So a home that had a phone was worth double of a home without a, home, a phone line. Right? Wow. So it was like that all around. And this president opened up the economy, allowed importations. Um, he also privatized the, all the energy, transportation, everything. He put this one-to-one -one, uh, dollar peg and yeah, Argentina started climbing. Uh, he also, sadly, he raised taxes. Mm. And he got into debt. Because prior to this, the government, just as we were talking mm -hmm. before about income tax, mm -hmm. it made no sense to collect taxes. Mm -hmm. Because if you're in a hyperinflationist environment, by the time you collect the taxes, they're worthless. Right. So why collect taxes? Right. Yeah. Uh, so, but this government could not do that. So they raised taxes and they got into a lot of debt. And the mandate of this president was gonna run out after two mandates. So the next president on the campaign, he said, oh yeah, I'm gonna lower taxes. And I'm saying how I'm gonna do it. Mm. The first he, thing he did in office, the first day in power was to raise taxes. <laughs> 
And that's when we introduced the income tax to employees. We did not have that before, mm. right? But it was a lot. I mean, 33% social security taxes, 35% income tax, a lot. So then we went into a depression, an economic uh, recession, very deep. And the vice president resigned. Then uh, since Argentina was desperate for money, they changed the central bank regulations that force uh, or tell banks in what they have to invest in. And they raised how much they have to invest in Argentine bonds, right? And there was one bank in particular, the largest bank, that even went overboard, mm -hmm. Banco Galicia. Mm -hmm. went invested, I don't know, much more than what the government demanded. And also, um, the, we, I remember I was a well, teenager. Whenever you turn on the TVs um, in the morning, you would say, you would see the, like, the temperature, uh, the time, and they would tell you what the country risk was. Like they would say to you, it's 350, it's 412, it's 463. And they would say, oh my God, it's never been so high. The country risk is the rate that Argentina pays over uh, the T-bills, the mm -hmm. treasury bills, mm -hmm. right? In percentage points. So as that number grew larger, it meant that in a certain moment, in a certain point, Argentina was not going to be able to pay the interest mm. on the debt and it was going to have to default. So we were watching the default coming, wow. right, approaching. Hmm. So the president called back, uh, hired the, the minister of economy that did this as a to work as minister. And he came up with the idea of doing a, a corralito, a little corral, mm. which meant that we woke up uh, one day and we saw the news. Everybody got trapped inside of the banking system. You could not withdraw all of your money. Like if you had $100,000, you could not take it out. They only allowed you $250 per week or pesos, which were the same thing, right? Mm. But if you wanted to transact, you could do wire transfers, checks, credit cards, and debit cards. Mm. And since they were desperate for money, they introduced a tax on transfers that was paid 0.6% I paid, the sender, 0.6% they received, right? So in an effort to, to collect the taxes. So this uh, thing, that which was sort of like a CBDC experiment, was called corralito, little coral, mm -hmm. like where you put uh, the animals or the babies, wow. yeah, coral. Yeah. And that got the people super pissed off. They were rioting, uh, hitting the pans, cacerolas, mm -hmm. cacerolazos was, was called. And the, uh, the, the hitting the pans, can you talk about that, how it sure. spread through neighborhoods? And, exactly, it's, yeah. a, it's a method of pro protest where you start in your home, mm -hmm. but your neighbor will hear you hitting the pan, mm -hmm. and he will start hitting the pan, and it spreads, and you can hear how it spreads all throughout the city, wow. all throughout the country. Um, so it was a classical method of protest, but it got more violent. Mm. Uh, it got to the point where we started to see riot and looting, uh, looting the shops. Uh, I can send you later uh, like a videos of the lootings mm -hmm. and, and all of that. Uh, and we suspect that the opposition party leader was like, a, since he had been governor of the province, 
he had he was in collusion with the police to like allow the looting right and and everything was breaking so one day one thursday evening at let's say 8 p.m the president uh, gave a national address saying that he was putting a military curfew right uh, that you could not go out of your home after 8 p.m mm -hmm. until the next morning that the constitutional rights were suspended right so that was on a thursday on friday the protest got even crazier and he got the police out with the horses around 20 to 25 people died that day december 20. so by the afternoon evening we all saw on tv national on, on live we saw the presidential helicopter landing on the roof of the our white house which mm -hmm. is the pink house mm -hmm. and we saw the president climbing on the roof and getting on the airplane and leaving hmm. heading off uh, he resigned uh, we didn't know where he was going and we did not have a president because the vice president had already resigned six months prior so the country was with, was without president hmm. the next day they chose the president of the senate which was the succession line and the funny thing is that this guy on his inaugural speech he declared the default of all the debts mm. right to congress to deputies and senators and all these people in the congress were cheering started to cheer we won <laughs> like argentina <laughs> Ar defaulting yeah <laughs> we are champions of the world for for defaulting for i know how, how long how many times so that president lasted two weeks right we were still in corralito then we had a succession of two more or three more presidents in a course of a few hours and then they chose the uh, opposition party leader as, as president and this one too had a famous inaugural speech or phrase that said whoever deposited dollars will get dollars mm -hmm. whoever deposited pesos will get pesos mm -hmm. in order to uh, like keep everybody quiet and, and safe but a few days later he did not keep that promise whoever had deposited dollars his his bank account in dollars went to zero so all the companies all, all the people all all the balances in dollars went to zero and they did what was called an asymmetric pacification <laughs> they multiply your that number by 1.4 and they added that as pesos, mm. right? They created the type it in, right? Uh, so if you had $100,000, you got 140,000 pesos. But the market exchange rate back then was four to one. So if you wanted to buy back those dollars with 140,000 pesos, you got, I don't know, $35,000. Wow. So you lost 65%. Wow of all your savings so this is, a, this is a bank bail-in essentially mm -hmm, exactly yeah so our, i mean i've lived through this right and that's why uh, argentines develop like a, a i know a, a knowledge of how to survive these situations mm -hmm. and when you see americans or europeans that have no idea mm. this message has not gotten through mm -hmm. yeah i mean I, I, i've been touring around 
And when I tell the story of Argentina, they say, I never heard of this, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and someone said, oh, yeah, I understand. Perhaps it was because it was really close to the 9-11 attacks, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but this story needs to be told because we say if in the travels, we, are, we come from the future. We are here to warn you of what's going to happen, right? The canary in the coal mine for central banking and socialist policy. Exactly. Yeah. So ever since that day, uh, we depeg from from the from the one to one, and we've been inflating our currency away. Mm. Right. Uh, I remember in the nineties, Argentina was quite expensive. It was really easy to make money. I mean. Anyone who made a drugstore shop would make, I don't know, 3,000, 4,000, right? Uh, and when we went to the U.S., I remember as a kid, for us it was like a relief. Oh, how nice to be in a cheaper place. Mm -hmm. We can buy everything, right? <laughs> That's, that was my, my experience. Or, and Argentinians went to Miami, to Orlando. They bought everything mm -hmm. because Argentina was very high tax. But now it's the other opposite, uh, completely opposite mm -hmm. thing. Right now, Argentinians are making $200 a month, right? So how can they... I, I, I believe that they are like the new Venezuelan people, mm -hmm. right? They, it reaches a point where you cannot save anything. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have money to pay for an air ticket, you're trapped inside of the country, wow. right? Um, have people such a painful multi-decade experience? And so we're talking... Many currencies were hyperinflated over this time, but they just kept chopping off zeros, yep. issuing a new currency in its place. Um, so just chronic inflation since the 1950s, effectively, when these socialist policies started Peronism. to get installed. Yeah. Peronism. One of my highest health priorities is keeping my brain in top shape. To take care of my brain power, I do many things, such as striving to read, write, exercise, and meditate daily. One of the latest tools in my BrainPower Toolkit is MindLab Pro. MindLab Pro is a nootropic supplement that is scientifically proven to enhance your brain power. When I take MindLab Pro, my mind feels like it has a better grip on the world, my thinking is more lucid, and the articulation of my speech is much more clear. MindLab Pro has been tested in rigorous, double-blind, placebo-controlled human trials and has been proven to enhance brain power for users in every age group. MindLab Pro is an advanced formulation of 11 nootropic ingredients and is backed by research from 1,473 human trials conducted over a period of 32 years. So if you're looking to start enhancing your brain power, MindLab Pro is an excellent solution. Go to mindlabpro.com breedlove to start enhancing your brain power today. Again, that's mindlabpro.com breedlove. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a Bitcoin-enabled alternative to legacy health insurance. Now let's face it, legacy health insurance is an absolute scam. Nobody can explain this better than the legendary comedian, Chris Rock. Insurance. You got to have some insurance. You got to. There's an insurance. They shouldn't even call it insurance. They should just call it in case shit. <laughs> And I give a company some money in case shit happens. Now, if shit don't happen, shouldn't I get my money back? <laughs> so with CrowdHealth, instead of just paying premiums that you'll never see again, you can hold part of this pool of 
of savings in dollars and in Bitcoin through CrowdHealth. And when you have a health event, you can draw against this pool of communal savings. So go to joincrowdhealth.com slash breedlove to learn more or sign up. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Wasabi Wallet. With Wasabi Wallet, you can receive, send, and store Bitcoin privately. In Wasabi Wallet, your transaction history and wallet balance are completely hidden. Wasabi Wallet is easy to use. All of its privacy features are built in by default, and it works with any amount of Bitcoin. Wasabi users can make CoinJoin transactions together with BTC Pay server users or Trezor Suite users. For BTC Pay server users, they can make payments directly inside of a CoinJoin. And for Trezor Suite users, you can make CoinJoins directly on a hardware wallet. These features result in the fee savings and security improvements for both sets of users. So go to wasabiwallet.io today to download the state-of-the-art Bitcoin privacy wallet. Have people figured this out? Like the, the typical Argentinian, are they now more aware of money and how big of a scam it is? So like, is it easier to orange pill an Argentinian by saying, hey, look, here's a money that government can't corrupt or debase? Does it, does it land easier with them? There's a portion of the population that learn how to survive. Mm -hmm. And so they either buy dollars or they buy bricks mm -hmm. and they buy houses, whatever. Or yeah, there is a large portion of Argentines that got into Bitcoin quite early on mm -hmm. since 2013. We were like having meetups super big. We organized the first Latin American Bitcoin conference in 2013. Mm -hmm. The an Argentine Bitcoin Foundation from 2014. We still have a Bitcoin space, a building that is rented in downtown Buenos Aires, mm -hmm. a, a co-working that is still there since 2014. In 2018, we did La Bitcoineta the, mm -hmm. the, to travel around Latin America. So, so yeah, the Argentine uh, Bitcoin ecosystem has been quite on, quite early on, because it, I, I know a friend that got into Bitcoin because in 2011 or so, the president, in a woman, Christina Kirchner, she introduced an exchange clamp. Like, a, you cannot freely buy dollars anymore. Mm. Back then, if you want to buy dollars, you had to log in to our IRS website, input the amount you want to buy, and the website would only tell you yes or no. It wouldn't tell you why. And it wouldn't tell you which amount you were going to get a yes, mm. right? So you had to try. And some people got rejected and some people got approved, right? Mm. So most likely, I know if you're a opposition or whatever, they don't like you, they, you get rejected. Mm. And this created a gap between the official dollar rate and a newly created black market rate, mm. which we call blue dollar. Mm. Uh, back then it was like four pesos official six pesos black market. So this gap meant that, for example, if you had a credit card, you could go to next door Uruguay, next country. You go to a casino with your credit card, you buy casino chips. Immediately, you take the casino chips and sell them for dollar bills. Mm. You take the bills, dollar bills to Argentina. And in Argentina, we have these places where you can... In the, they are like the black market operations. We call them 
caves, mm. cuevas. It's it, a cueva could be anything. It could be like an antique shop. Mm-hmm. I, I once uh, changed dollars in the guy that does your keys, right? Mm. He's also a cueva, mm. and you can exchange peso to dollar with him. Uh, so, so yeah, that's where you you exchange and you get fifty percent over at back then, mm-hmm. more money. So with fifty percent more pesos, you pay your down your credit card. And you can do it again, and you can do it again, mm. right? And it all extracts value from the central bank, right? Mm. Uh, we call this loop doing the rulo, which means curve, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so everybody in Argentina is trying to do the rulo, right? And then the government is trying to impose restrictions on how to stop it, and then they find new ones to do it, right? It's always like a cat and mouse chase. Mm-hmm. But I also say that it's... Uh, uh, a way for corruption because if you're with the government, you get a, you get access to the official dollar rate, mm-hmm. and if you're not with the government, you don't get access, right? So right now I have to to check this around, but the official dollar rate is like three hundred and sixty pesos, mm-hmm. and the black market blue dollar is one thousand two hundred, right? Wow! So it's uh, there one thousand two hundred, So you might say, oh, that's a huge gap. It's almost like three times mm-hmm. over, right? So the arbitrage opportunity is, is amazing. Well, in order to stop that, they introduce taxes on, on top of your credit card mm-hmm. or on top of the $200 they allow you to buy each month. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you can buy just the 200 at the official price. You have to pay 200 I mean, you get 200 but you pay like 65% tax. Wow. Right? Now the gap is so wide that it's still profitable. So right now, if I take my Argentine credit card and I spend money here in Lugano, Switzerland, mm-hmm. the Argentine Central Bank is subsidizing my purchases like 20 to 25% discount, right, for using my Argentine credit card. And it's all being paid by the impoverishment of the Argentine people. Wow. I mean, it's paid through inflation. Right, it's gonna be paid on Monday yeah, when we don't know what's gonna happen with the exchange rates yeah. on Monday. This is uh, just a good vignette or a good story of how the corruption of money just actually destroys social cohesion at every level, and you can't. The the answer is never price fixing, right? You can never pass a law to try and force fit market dislocations because what happens is you black markets spin up right and so yeah it's incredible that just ignorance of economics can lead to such disastrous outcomes in a country repeatedly over time and so is is this what this is the wave that's pushing javier into notoriety right that someone's actually talking about a real solution to this problem? Is, is is the popular support for Javier kind of a reflection of maybe the lessons people have learned throughout this painful history? Sure. I mean, the young people have only experienced inflation. Mm-hmm. The people that were born in 2000, mm-hmm. they only saw inflation all through their lives. And most of their lives, they've been living through the Kirchner era, mm-hmm. like from the Nestor Kirchner and his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, 
and but also I do not know if it is only ignorance. Mm-hmm. I think that is that they do not want to know, mm-hmm. or they pretend that they do, they mm-hmm. do not know, because these Keynesian ideas uh, actually allow you to steal mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. For example, Macri was a president from 2015 to 2019, the only period where we did not have Kirchnerism in, mm-hmm. in the last 20 years. Right? So. Uh, from the left, it's from the point of view of the left, he's like a right wing, whatever, right? Mm. But he kept on with the same Keynesian ideas, so inflation rose with him. Mm-hmm. But we say some people, some libertarians, like to say that he's a Kirchnerista with good manners, like because he's blonde and blue eyes, right? <laughs> and he doesn't swear, uh, but he has the same ideas. But the he got. Argentina out of the default in, I don't know if it was 2016 or what year, and the IMF granted him and started uh, granting him billions of dollars. And this is why I say that politicians, the real reason why they want to regulate the economy Mm. is because that inside information lets you steal the money. Mm. How? For example, during Macri's term, there was a period of months where the exchange rate would not go up it was being suppressed at 20 pesos mm-hmm. per dollar. There was no law that said you had to keep it at 20. Mm. Why 20? Why not 19? Why not 21? But it was kept there, right? With the money from the IMF. At the same time, the Argentine bonds in pesos were paying 30% per year, mm-hmm. right? So if you know that the exchange rate is not changing, staying flat, what you're actually getting is 30% yield on dollars Mm. because uh, you can sell your dollars for pesos, invest in Argentine bonds, they go up 30%, then you sell those and buy back the dollars Mm -hmm. and you got 30% more dollars. Mm -hmm. So if you're in government and you're using the IMS money and you know how long you're gonna be suppressing the price, Mm -hmm. you can call a friend right or your lawyer or whatever and say oh leverage up like do a 10x do a 100x whatever mm. because we in argentina we have an expression it's called having the cow tied up which means mm. means that you know for sure a certain outcome right? right so this way you can steal billions of dollars legally without nobody noticing or wow or doing anything in the justice but it's all being paid by inflation and the impoverishment of people. Impoverishment of people. Wow. Um, yeah, so you could almost say that, and I would broaden this to really all, I know I'm a bit extreme in my anarcho-capitalist views, but I think all regulation is essentially to that end, right? To create these arbitrage opportunities for insiders, right? They have insider information, we see this a lot in the U.S. with politicians radically outperforming all the hedge funds in their investment portfolios. You know, their their salaries are a few hundred thousand dollars a year, but their net worth goes from ten million to hundreds of millions in the course of their career, uh, all trading on this insider information. What's the analogy I read online? It's like we don't let athletes bet on the games that mm-hmm. they play in. 
because they have the ability to influence the outcome, right? So why would we let politicians bet on the companies and industries that they pass laws on that can also influence the outcome, right? It's a rigged game. Exactly. And the answer, of course, is classical liberal principles, uh, true libertarian ideology. That's the only thing that can stop the theft. Yes. Not to intervene the economy. Right. Uh, take the money out of the state. Yes. Bitcoin. Yes. Yes. So, the, I mean, this is such a big inflection point that I hope people's minds can come to is like, there's not a law that's going to fix it. There's not a new president or a new political leader or political party that's going to fix it. It's getting rid of the regulations, getting rid of the arbitrage opportunities for insiders. That's what allows people to prosper and flourish economically. Exactly. To, to create a market for you cannot influence it, so you cannot uh, exactly have this uh, it's decentralization, right? Exactly, that's yeah. right. Ooh, that is uh, quite the journey, and I hope that people will look to this history of Argentina as a, a canary in the coal mine for where economies are headed. Yeah, we, we got, what I see from these travels is that Europeans are just waking up. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, I went to a conference in Madrid, in Spain. And the Spanish were alarmed by the 10% inflation or 15, mm-hmm. 20, because it, they always lie, right, the, mm-hmm. the numbers. And they've started to organize doing meetups in each different city. Also, the Germans are doing mm-hmm. this, the British, the Italians, the French. And it, it why now, right? It's because of the inflation that mm-hmm. they are seeing right now. But still, this is just starting. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we are like 20 years ahead or, or 25 years ahead mm-hmm. with the history. And I hope that with Javier, Argentina goes through the deep uh, bottom uh, um, and goes up mm-hmm. uh, back again. And it, it, I mean, it might be in a better situation because you passed the worst mm-hmm. it's behind, right? Mm-hmm. And it's all uh, uphill from there. Just like uh, other countries, like I know El Salvador, mm-hmm. be in that situation. Uh, so, so yeah, why why stay in countries that are going downhill? Yeah, because it really affects you. You were talking about this mm-hmm. when you're living a decline for twenty years, mm-hmm. and each year that comes is worse than the previous one, and the next one is worse, and the next one is worse. Mm-hmm. It's like life becomes a bad experience, right? Yeah. It's yeah, uh, worse. It really gets to you. So I really, uh, I I really felt it when I came a few months ago to Europe. Uh, You start seeing the change in you. Like before coming here, I know I'm always worried about being stolen, right? Mm. Or uh, the even the like the energy of the people. They are like uh, I know uh, how you call it. um, Ah, here. Well, I don't know the word. Uh, when you have a, like a revenge against someone, but not, not revenge, it's um, like resentful, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in Argentina, people are like resentful because they're being taught that the the reason why they are in this situation is because there are rich people mm. that are raising the prices, mm. yes, and it's yes, the supermarket yes, yes, owner, yes. right? So they turn people against each other, yes, right? It's the same in the U.S., right? It's like tax the rich, the billionaires are the problem. And it's that's not the case. You don't want to blame entrepreneurs, right? People that are actually solving problems. It's people that are stealing from 
society and citizens through these these opaque means, right? People don't understand that inflation is theft okay. or taxation is theft. And that or message you're telling yeah. is what Javier has been teaching. Yes. So okay. now he's changing the discourse and you might get into a taxi cab in Argentina and the taxi cab driver will say, oh yeah, we have to close the central bank. Yeah. <laughs> because they're the culprits. That's great. The, the mind, the, let's see, I don't want to say the mind virus, but the idea, right? The liberal ideology is spreading again. And I would like to think that some of that has to do with just the emergence of Bitcoin, right? That it has people having the conversation. It is taking people into the annals of economic history and science. And even if it's not, uh, the masses doing it per se, there are a few like Javier doing the work and then broadcasting the message and then the taxi drivers saying, hey, let's abolish the central bank. Exactly. So that's very hopeful. Um, let's talk a little bit about Bitcoinetta, what you're okay. doing there. Um, you have a fleet of vehicles, I guess, and you're traveling all over the world to help. Cur yeah, currently there are four Bitcoinettas in the world. Mm. Uh, in Bitcoin Amsterdam, we announced the fifth one, which is going to be for Ghana and West Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, Tresor is going to be putting some money there for, there's a Bitcoin community called Kauris mm -hmm. uh, in Ghana. Uh, so yeah, the idea is to have this decentralized project where if you're in the United States and mm -hmm. you want to build a Bitcoinetta or mm -hmm. you're in India and you want to make one, mm -hmm. well, you can come in contact with us. We see if we, have, we share the values, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we can begin to populate the world with Bitcoinetas. Mm. So the idea with the Bitcoinetas is to travel around, going to the small cities and all the countries, organizing meetups, giving intro talks to Bitcoin. Uh, when there are people that already know about Bitcoin, we go into deep philosophical debates mm -hmm. and we can talk about technical aspects, philosophy, economics. Mm. The Bitcoinetta carry, carries books. So we have mm. books by uh, almost all the authors that we can. It carries hardware wallets, t-shirts, mm. whatever. Uh, and so, yeah, the idea is to spread the message of Satoshi, right? Mm. Like we are like evangelists mm. traveling around. Bitcoin doesn't have a marketing team, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't have an owner or a CEO. So we have to take the matter in our, into our own hands, mm -hmm. right? And, and teach people why Bitcoin and not crypto, what's mm -hmm. the difference, mm -hmm. why crypto is more similar to fiat mm -hmm. than to Bitcoin, mm -hmm. right? This is still into the culture. Uh, we need to change that culture, right? Okay. Even though it takes time, doesn't matter. Perhaps it will take decades. It's all worth it in the end. Exactly. That's for sure. Ariel, thank you for this. This has been a fascinating journey through Argentinians' monetary history. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Sure, you can find us uh, at Bitcoineta, Bitcoin ETA, at EU, Bitcoineta EU in Twitter. And I am at Ariel Aguilar on Twitter. Awesome. We'll put links to that in all the show notes. Thank you again for doing this. Thank you, Robert.